Tupo driving hard at the line. Tupo has he done it? No, it's play on. They go wide. They go wide. They get the try. It's O'Connor for Queensland. Welcome to episode 56 of Rugby Fixation. Been a little while. Uh, this is the first uh, recording as a father. So that's um, so hopefully explaining a little bit of the delay between our releases. So, um, yeah, a bit of inconsistency there. But one of the things I've been trying to do is just keep posting on Twitter. Um, so if you are interested in, you know, some of the rugby rumblings you'd normally be getting or just hearing someone, you know, bemoan different things going on in rugby or hating on sevens, uh, feel free to have a look at me over there on Twitter. But um, now what I want to do is just give a bit of a quick update on, you know, thoughts on the England series briefly, but then looking at the rugby championship coming ahead uh, and doing that, I thought I've had a quick chat to my brother and, you know, we're seeing eye to eye on a few things and it'd be nice to just get some thoughts out. So, Cody, how are you doing? Very good. First, first pod as an uncle, which is probably arguably <laughs> a bigger pod than, than as a dad. So, yeah. very happy to... Very happy to be getting that first cap. Um, but yeah, good. Not, not the best start to rugby for the year, but some good parts, some bad parts, uh, and hopefully a general upward trajectory going forward. One of the things I think um, I, I've probably been thankful to be missing is haven't done any Zoom calls recently because of the uh, you know, lack of podcasting. And I think since the last one, there's an extra chin or two um, just peeking out from... <laughs> From the bottom of the screen, so uh, maybe something to work on. But um, speaking of work-ons, we, we, you know, talked about the England series as it happened and, you know, the first game, there's a lot of promise. Um, got a narrow win there, um, you know, with some nice tries in the second half, despite their light, uh, late fight back. Um, the two games afterwards left a little bit of a sour taste just because they looked very winnable. Um, I think the biggest challenge is losing the series isn't ideal, but the fact that we lost it against a team that didn't really play that well um, I guess just very briefly, what were your big takeaways from that England series? Like, what were you, you know, impressed with? But what other things are you sort of concerned about coming into this rugby championship? Uh, I think probably the thing that I'm most concerned about is that we don't look World Cup ready, and we don't sort of look like we're getting any closer to a lot of our uh, positions and, and combinations getting set in. Um, and unfortunately, that was it was a, I guess, series riddled by injuries as well. Um, so some some big injuries to players that were pretty exciting last year. Obviously, the, the news now that the Karevi's out, we had Kellaway out for the, the series. Uh, we had Pattaya out for, for bits of it. We had uh, some players not getting picked based on based on a few different things. So Swain obviously out because of red card. Um, we had the, the Wilson-McDermott saga, which continues on again into this week. Um, but I think we had some shining lights in, in Dave Parecki. Angus Bell having a great year and well before he got injured again another injury but phenomenal before he got injured um, and some, some probably not as star performances from a few of our key players the the positive is we're probably getting a few positions locked in now um, and most most uh, importantly I think Nick White is the the rock at the moment that's sort of really outperforming uh, both his forwards and backs and doing more than he should be able to do with what he's been given in terms of forward ball and, and back moves, I guess. It did seem funny because we've got some strong scrum halves and I thought it would be a bit of a tussle, but really Nick White is pretty clearly 
um, the first choice and looking really good. Um, I was sort of talking to a few other people about it, how there's been a few injuries and unfortunately some of our key players, because obviously it seems like people like Angus Bell, Dave Parecki, Rory Arnold, Isaac Rodder, Simon Karevi, Andrew Kellaway probably make our best 23. Um, so to miss, you know, a quarter of those people that would be in our you know, best 23 is a bit of a pain. But if we look at the team that we've named for this week against Argentina, the starting team actually looks really strong, I think. I think there's a lot to like about this. And probably a few players you'll be keen to talk about just as a Waratahs fan, because the Waratahs had an awesome season. But um, we've got Slipper, Feinger and Alalatoa in the front row. So it's nice having that Brumby sort of connection. You could argue Tupo starting or bench shot. I think now we're at the point where it doesn't matter too much. Um, Darcy Swain's back from his red card, partnering Matt Phillip in the locks, which is handy. Uh, again, we've mentioned not having Rodder or Arnold. I think either of those two instead of Swain would be our preference. Um, but Jed Holloway getting his first start and his first cap and playing at six, so he didn't play there at all for the Waratahs. Um, do you think that's going to be an issue for him or he, he can just hit the ground running from that sixth position? Oh, I think he'll love it. And he's probably that that ball runner that we've missed. Um, we, we mentioned it before, but it's a bit disappointing when you look at the work rates of some of the back rowers for for Ireland and, and Wales over the the last uh, well over the June series where they just got through mountains of work. Our back row hasn't done that yet, so we've got Hooper that will continue to get through plenty. But our the the ball running and the tackles, um, Holloway just super excited to see him. He took the most lineouts of any any second rower in Australian Super Rugby. He got the, had the most defenders beaten. He's very active and he's a good ball player as well. A um, couple of try assists, a couple of tries. So he's he's probably played like a six all year, but Waratah's just been that more mobile pack. Um, and given you look at teams like New Zealand using Scott Barrett as a six, um, Peter Stefter Toyd as a six, uh, all of the, the, any French option, they're all massive in that six jersey. So uh, I think it's probably a good thing that we've got a second roller slash six, Courtney Laws again. So there's, I think it's probably Australia getting up to speed. Another good lineup option. He got plenty of steals this year, um, especially when you consider like Philip isn't enormous, nor is Swain. Mm. Maybe if we had Rodder and, and Arnold in the second row when we had Tupo with extra weight on, maybe maybe we can get away with a more mobile back three. But I think for what we've got at the moment, he's a he's a perfect choice for six. It's funny because we spoke about it a little bit. Um... You know, before because the team got named this morning, we, we talked about a few things, but it is interesting that we've got so many players that are high work rate in Super Rugby, um, or can be high work rate in Super Rugby, but they don't quite get the opportunity. So you were saying one player, Bell, like you know, we should just be getting him, you know, as many carries as possible because he's you know just so enormous in that area. And while we don't have him this week, it is interesting seeing you know players like Valentini and Wilson that just make heaps of carries for Super Rugby haven't really had that same impact from the moments we've seen them this year, um, albeit limited for Wilson. We, we didn't see definitely enough on that third test. But also, I, th I think it's interesting, um, some of the other players that might rate a bit of a mention, like Taniel Atupo, he has some big moments. He's like highlights real sort of moments, but he doesn't actually get through that much work. And so as you're saying, like we, we're trying to implement this strategy of using our forwards to dominate, but... When we've got, you know, our, our most marquee sort of forward, I guess, who's not doing much, like he might rack up three tackles and four runs or something. And they're big tackles and big runs, but you kind of want to be getting him way more involved. You know, even though he's a, you know, a tight head prop and only just seen as a scrummager, you want a bit more action from them. 
Um, we've mentioned Holloway. I think we spoke about that at the after the third test, where it, at the game it was extremely frustrating to see. Yeah. And this this is some of the the criticism that Hooper's getting of he's getting dominating tackles. He's the first runner off a short lineout, and Tupo's out in the thirteen channel, waiting for the next phase where he's going to do nothing and we lose the ball and Hooper can't get front foot ball running into six foot eight second rowers and, and big number eights, Billy Vodapolo, et cetera. So it's, it's, if that's part of the game plan, I think that really needs to be revisited. Um, but uh, the team isn't working well to, to get the right people in the right places at the right time. I don't think at the moment. Mm. Um, we, we stopped the count at six for Holloway, but just to continue that back row, we also had Hooper and Valentini. It's interesting. I think it's the situation where if we get those three playing at their best, we could run over the top of this Argentinian team quite easily with them. But it does, you know, hinge on them, you know, performing at that level. And we haven't seen that. Um, we'd love to see Valentini sort of in his Brumbies form replicate that for the Wallabies because we know he's such a wrecking baller. I think he had probably one of the best seasons out of any Australian player for Super Rugby this year. So we do want to see more of that. Um, White and Cooper, that's just such an established and experienced combination of the halves. That's really handy, especially with Hunter Paisami taking the reins at 12 with Karevi's injury. Um, how do you think that combination goes, that sort of 10-12 with Paisami in there? Like, he isn't the same crash ball option that Karevi is. Do you think, you know, Quaid can still look as good without having Karevi outside him? Because we saw all of his good matches against um, Argentina and South Africa last year. He had Karevi. You know, can he do the same thing with Basami? I think it's a really interesting one. Um, and it, I honestly think, don't think we'll know until we see the game. But, but one of the things that has enabled Noah to play pretty okay in the, in the last couple of games is that Nick White generates most of the, the ball uh, and he does most of the playmaking off the forwards for the base of the ruck. And then he distributes to Karevi on his outside or Corabetti unders line on the inside, uh, who then will create something. So... I'm interested to see if if Quade Cooper underplays his hand, similar to how Noah did, and just plays that distributor role and with a bit of a kicking game, or if he does try and bring it to the line a little bit more, and then maybe do a bit more work to bring Hunter on uh, or give options at the back of Tom Wright's very quick as a fullback, which I think is really helpful if you've got someone like Quade who can take the ball to the line and pass at the last second, rather than someone like Noah who might sit a little bit deeper and distribute a bit earlier. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that's sort of the back one's been selected around having those attacking options to use. Like, I know Pattaya was sort of talked up as a 15 and he lasted three minutes there in that um, test before, you know, the injury. But I think having Corabetti and Pattaya on the wings with Tom Wright at fullback, you've got attacking options anywhere. Um, Lenny Katow can make something from nothing, but he's, you know, going to be used for his left bird and his defensive organisation. I think if we can just get some of the ball to them, you know, in space, we should be pretty well set because, you know, we saw a few glimpses of it in the Super Rugby season, but Pataya's a freak athlete. You know, I think his inconsistencies with injuries and, you know, he doesn't get that many 80-minute performances. Um, so he, he attracts a bit of criticism from there and we don't get to see him all that frequently. But I forget the game, but there was one match where he just had a bit of space on the wing and he absolutely burned whoever was on the out. Um, on the outside for the opposition to sort of ran through. He's got enormous strength. So we just need to see a little bit more space for him to operate in. And I think we could get, you know, between Nick White, Quade Cooper and Hunter by some, you've got a few players that can link reasonably well. So I'm hoping that they can use those to sort of, um, you know, set up those outside backs. Because, yeah, I, I think... I've always... 
I've always really liked Pataira as a 14 option. Uh, I think he's, especially when you're playing offset piece, young open side, he's got a good right foot step coming off that right wing. Um, and he's not as much of a game player to, to be playing fullback, I don't think. Great aerial, uh, can beat defenders one-on-one, has speed. Um, and I think it is pretty crazy that it's his fourth year in the Wallabies and he's still the youngest in the squad. So yeah. this is a genuine 2023-2027 World Cup option, potentially even further. Mm. Um, so I think setting him up at, at right wing, it's what happened with Falau at various points where they, he moved to the right wing to bring a playmaker like a Hayla Petty or a Beal into fullback. And I, I think it's a, another really good threat if you've got someone that can step up at fullback. Yeah, and it's like fullback has been sort of the concern. Um, we, we've seen the rotation of players. Um, one of the things I was just digging through in our last seven test matches, we've used six different starting fullbacks. So pretty crazy. Um, I guess out of those options, um, we, we've used even more fullbacks, but Dana Hallett is no longer an option. Um, he got one test under Rooney. Who, who are you looking at, I guess, to solidify? that 15 position, who, who would you be the person you're trying to bank on if we're sort of keeping that World Cup in mind? Are you, are you hinging it on Tom Wright or Andrew Kelloway, you know, one of the smarter footballers? Or, you know, are you in the camp of wanting Beal a bit of a shot at redemption in that 15 jersey? I think you, you said it before, Banks was the was the one that should have played all this year. He was the best player and best fullback in, in Super Rugby for Australia. And he was play, played relatively okay last year. It was his jersey this year. Unfortunately, he got injured early. Callaway got injured early. Wright has played a couple of games at fullback. Um, Mog is another person that was brought back and is an established fullback and a good player. Um, Beal coming back, it makes it pretty competitive. Hodge out of form and not, we don't know if he's a fullback or not. Has that kicking option? He's, to me, he seems more of a bench player than a starter, but uh, at the moment, I, I really don't think it's clear. So where where combinations exist I think it's a it's a good thing um so Tom Wright uh and I mean it is hard when when Corabetti's got one spot locked up and he's he's playing overseas and then presumably Quaid's the first choice 10 at the moment who also plays overseas so it is hard to get those combinations with A outside backs and B inside backs but uh Wright does have that combination of of speed which I think is we haven't had a really fast fullback for or one that's got really good acceleration for quite a while. Um, he can ball play and his, his kick chase against England was pretty phenomenal, wasn't it? Where you can step a few, get out, exit, and then your kick chase is there and you need to tackle them over the sideline. So he does enough. He's a, he's still a pretty new player, still pretty fresh. Yeah. He's he's young. He went to the Brumbies, what, two years ago? Yeah, he's only Maybe. 25. He's you know, so he's racked up 12 caps in his you know, relatively short time with the Wallabies. So... He's definitely someone that's um, you know attracting a lot of good praise at the moment since his sort of French um, test last year. I think would have been around his his debut. Um, one of the things I wanted to bring up is I haven't seen many people sort of talking about the Argentinians uh, team, and there's a lot of familiar faces in there. You know, out of all the teams playing this weekend, they, they've got you know the second most test caps other than South Africa, so they're, they're running out 910 caps, and they've got one, a pretty old team. I just thought it was interesting looking at the head-to-head comparisons of the players. Only Slipper, Hooper, uh, Cooper, and Tom Wright have more caps than their opposite. Every other Argentinian is more experienced, so it, it does create a bit of a issue, I think, for the Wallabies as they you know try and assert some dominances. We still have a pretty young team, like you know Swain and Phillip, 
just have 30 caps between them. Um, Pasami Nikodau just have 30 caps between them. Like there's not a heap of experience to call upon. Um, and I, I think part of that is why I'm a little bit concerned when I look to our bench, because um, normally that's where, you know, we'd be wanting that injection of, you know, that extra intensity. Um, and while the Argentinian bench isn't super experienced outside of Parivi and Moroni, um, I, I think Tupo is going to provide a bit of punch. Frost has a potential too, even though he's not very captain. Pete Sama is just, you know, a standout off the bench. But I do have some concerns there. Um, when I look at Lonigan and Gibbon in particular, because they're, you know, quite inexperienced in the front row, how do you think they cope with that sort of test match environment? Are they, you know, really that close to, you know, the Wallabies' best 23? No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, but, I mean, it's a good good thing to be experiencing a year out of a World Cup rather than in a World Cup. So I think ultimately it's, it's better than more people get capped. Uh, Pone is another one that we've spoken about that it'd be great to actually see him get some game time because Tupo and Al Alatoa have also had their fair share of injuries. And I don't think Slipper as a tight head is a good enough cover in that instance. So I think uh, on the loose head side, Slipper, Bell, um, we've also had, uh, well, yeah, Gibbons been in the squad and Harry Johnson Holmes has been in the squad but injured. Robertson's played Wallabies before. Um, so I think I think it's good to build out that depth because ultimately with a prop, you want to just be able to bring one in in a big game and make sure that they can hold their own in the scrum. So if if we can get to a stage where we can do that and we can not have highlight real props like Tupo that are trying to be an impact player, but can come on, hold their own and um and not look out of place. I think that's a really good start. And I guess massive benefit of the Australia A program is that Gibbon had the chance to prove that he can compete against international players. Um, Fiji, Tonga, Samoa, no slouches. So he was he was one of the better Australia A players. Uh, and I think it's it's a good reward for that system existing. And I doubt that if it exists, if it didn't exist, I don't think he would have been one of the ones that would have got called up. Yeah, it's really showed that it's a huge positive. Just even getting more minutes into, you know, Lalakai Fakedi, Jock Campbell, like those guys have shown that they've, you know, got a bit of flair down there. Um, it, it is nice just being able to test as many people as possible. And I think even just, you know, players like uh, Matt Fassler and Ryan Smith, they're not in the Wallabies setup and they're probably not that close to the setup, but even just getting more minutes so we can see, well, what is the gap then from, you know, a Caden Neville to a, Ryan Smith, or what is the gap if we're going from, you know, calling up our next hooker? Billy Pollard, obviously um, a prime beneficiary, getting his experience there, and then getting uh, the Wallabies call up with Dave Perecki's concussion. Um, the last thing, just with the team, because the team came out, and I am happy with the starting team. I have issues with the 6-2 split that, you know, I've sort of posted everywhere. But from the rest of the squad, was there anyone that you wanted to see more minutes from? Is there someone that you were hoping to see in this test match? I think Harry Wilson's another one uh, that everyone seems to be begging the question of why is he not getting a at least a bench spot? Um, Samu, I think, has been phenomenal off the bench, so I agree that he should be there. But if it's a 6-2 split, uh, it seems strange to not have either Rory Arnold or Harry Wilson on there. So I would have liked to have seen both of those. Rory Arnold is definitely someone that should be starting. Um, and I... I, uh, I am of the firm opinion that second rowers win tournaments. And if you look at every World Cup winning team, they've had the best second rowers in that comp. And it's about, it's like the old 
Sam Whitelock on Pocock. Pocock was destroying everyone in breakdown and then World Cup final, Whitelock go and make sure he doesn't touch the ball and Pocock did nothing. Yeah. Um, so we have the worst second rollers in the rugby championship based on this weekend, uh, which I think could prove costly for us. I think that's a big call. I was expecting when you said, you know, the, the locks sort of determine um, results and it's so important. I, I thought you would say position that you actually played. I don't think you ever put on the four or five jersey, did you? Under 12. Yeah. There we go. So there's, there's the callback from that. Um, we, came, the, we came last. <laughs> not because of the locks, I presume. Um, yeah, yeah. One of the things that I looked at, I think I, I want to see more. We saw... Vinavala get a few minutes at the end of that third test. I would have been keen to see him come off the bench again um, this week, if not, you know, get a start. So Vinavala, obviously the experiment is we've spent all this money on him. We've seen flashes of brilliance and we know what he can do in the NRL scene. And the, the transition from wing in league to union isn't super massive. There are a few different things with the rocking and defensive pressure, but attack-wise and, you know, structure, it's not too dissimilar. Um are we at the point now where he kind of needs minutes now where we just forego him completely? Or do you still want to see us persevere with him even though he hasn't had that you know, time in the saddle? I think it's worth persevering now that there's injuries to, to Kellaway and Banks and Wright's being pushed to fullback and there's a spot there on the bench. In a 6-2 split, he's definitely not the right person to have on the bench. But um, I think if everyone's fit, I wouldn't have him there because I think Kellaway, Wright, Corabetti, Pattaya, Banks is a better back five. And and if you've got Hodge for cover, you've got Hodge for cover. Um, but I, I don't think he's good enough yet. Uh, it would help if he played some more super rugby. He's got he's had good glimpses, but uh, it's it's premature. And it, yeah, I, I think he would have been a real beneficiary of the Australia A program, personally. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think he's probably a bit wasted going in the Wallaby squad to get three minutes off the bench in that England series. I was thinking the same. Even with, I'd lump Lockie Lonigan, Tate McDermott, and Harry Wilson into that camp. You know, they got a little bit of time. Well, Lockie Lonigan didn't, but the other three Reds players got a bit of time in that third test. I'd probably prefer they just got you know consistent sixty to eighty minutes in the Aussie team. You know, probably would have helped them get over the line against Samoa, get you know the wins there, and it, you know a small bit of silverware to the name. I think that would have been more beneficial to those players than, you know, being in the Wallaby system, especially because Tate and Harry, they, they've been in there before. They know the system. Same with um, Lonigan. So I, I'm in the same mind. I think just more minutes and just seeing more of them in action against test uh, level players would have been more beneficial. But we'll just wrap up quickly see um, how we reckon we'll go this weekend. So we'll get some rugby championship predictions with that South Africa and all those games. So, South Africa have released their team nice and early. They've got, you know, it's very similar to their World Cup team. They've got Jasper Visa in at number eight instead. They've got um, Damien Valemsa at uh, fullback. So they've just shifted LaRue to the bench and um, Jaden Hendricks uh, is the new um, scrum half on the bench as well. He's sort of overtaken um, Herschel Yanchis. So they've got a few little changes. Um, big talking points probably Malcolm Marks getting his start in his 50th. You were talking about his, you know, superhuman performance in 2017 against the All Blacks where they got up by I think All Blacks won by one point in the end in um in Cape Town so they'll be hoping for sort of a if they can relive that sort of quality a match will be excited um 
how do you think this match goes? I mean, All Blacks under all sorts of pressure. They've got a pretty interesting looking team, pretty weak type five named. Um, I shouldn't say type five, pretty weak uh, front row named. How do you think they're going this week? Uh, I think, yeah, on marks, I think he's, he's probably still the best hooker in the world, despite coming off the bench every now and then, or for the most part of the last couple of years, but that's nature of the bomb squad, I guess. Um, so I think, I think the tight five for South Africa could cause some issues at set piece time for, for New Zealand. Um, I think that I, I was of the opinion South Africa, yep, should definitely win this. I don't think they like being the favourite South Africa. They tend to, they've lost a couple of times at home to New Zealand where they probably should have won. Um, and that 2017 example is, is perfect because they were up, I think, 17 nil and New Zealand came back and won 25 24 in the last 20 minutes or something. So, um, yeah, it's, I think New Zealand will now relish like the, the stat came out that it's the fourth time ever they've been underdogs going into a game on the TAB. So I think they'd relish that status as being, the underdog going to this game. I also think that they're probably, they've had a good rousing um, and they're probably, this is, this is for the country, I guess, uh, going over and one or two losses, they lose their coach, that people lose hope in New Zealand rugby. So I went, I've converted myself from South Africa winning to South Africa getting too crumbled under the pressure of having to beat New Zealand when they should beat them and New Zealand too amped up to, uh, to get a win over there that would be, mean a lot more to them than it would to South Africa. So uh, not not financial advice, but New Zealand one to sevens paying four dollars eighty on <laughs> on sports bet. Nice. Yeah, I'm not I think I'm in the same camp. I think New Zealand have to come back to win this. Um, because as you say there is too much in it for them. Um, Wallabies Pumas, who wins that one? I, I'm going Wallabies. They need this more. So I, I think this needs to be a pretty dominant win. And I think it can be. Um, you know, Argentina have already had the success of that home tour. The first series of games against Scotland have had in ages, so they won that, and that's sort of that elation. I think that's sort of out of the way a little bit, that emotion. Um, Wallabies hurt Hungary needing to prove something. Um, I think they get this job done. Yeah, I'll go I'll go Wallabies 13 plus. Um, I think it I think it'll either be a really dominant performance by the Wallabies. Or it'll be a really ugly game and Argentina win by a very small margin. Mm. So uh, I'm hoping for the former, but uh, I think I think there's a lot to play for. I, like, bro, there's a lot of consistency. It's four Brumbies in the type five that performed awesome. Um, if if the bench come on and do their job, like I, w- I wouldn't hate Nick White playing 80 minutes this game and Reese Hodge not coming on. So I wouldn't mm. mind our backs starting the, playing the whole game. Um, and I think there's a lot of variability in our attack with, the, with those backs. And Quaid's obviously such a good playmaker. Nick White can not have to try and bring everything on from the base of the ruck. Um, and defensively, I, I think our the centre pairings are pretty pretty well-matched to cover the nippiness of the Argentinians. Um, it'll just be if our back row can hold up against theirs. So Jed will have a massive debut. Hoops will be back to getting man of the match. Um, and just need just need our type five to really put in some work in the first half. Nice. Um, might leave it there. I'm excited for the weekend of rugby. There's been plenty of talk about the teams around. I think, you know, there's still that taste in the mouth. 
um, you know, of defeat and wanting to try and atone for that. So I think there'll be a lot of buyers uh, on screen Sunday morning. Nice sort of, um, you know, get up early, do a bit of a cooked brekkie. Um, it, it's a lot easier to swallow than getting up at one or three for the match. So hopefully we get a, a decent chunk of Wallabies fans out there ready to cheer on a Wallabies win. Thanks for the chat, mate. Great, Great stuff. Have a good one. Go the Wallabies.